We welcome you to this episode of SDI Encounters podcast from Spiritual Directors International, the home of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. At SDI, our work is to cultivate the practices of deep listening and spiritual presence across all faith traditions and spiritual orientations. We are an educational nonprofit with a membership of over 6,000 spiritual directors and spiritual companions in 40 countries around the world. SDI recognizes the uniqueness of each person on this planet, and SDI honors our common potential that we all have the capacity for peace, to align with love, and to find healing through wholeness. We invite you to consider joining us as a member of SDI as we transform into an increasingly welcoming community, one centered around audacious hospitality. Nothing would make us happier than to support you on your most important quest, your journey to know yourself and honor in heart, mind, body, and action, that which resonates most deeply and warmly within you. Thank you for being here. You can learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. Recently, Cynthia Bailey Manns came off of the SDI Coordinating Council, now called the SDI Board of Directors, and also wrote a reflection for Presence, our journal on spiritual direction and companionship. Cynthia and I recently sat down to discuss her written reflection for Presence, her time serving on the Coordinating Council, and her work as a soul companion. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Matt. <laughs> it's good to see you. I am happy to be here. Yeah. yeah, I'm happy you're here. I'm happy to be with you. I I just told you this, but I've been wanting to talk with you for a while in this context, um, just as a longtime member of SDI and being on the coordinating council and and serving as chair and wanting to just talk about your reflections on the state of the organization and where it's come from and where it's and then you wrote this this article for presence and uh it's a it's just a, a beautiful offering on so many levels and the first thing i want to talk about is this amazing reflection really on your life's work and journey as a spiritual director and companion and i guess that's not really a question but <laughs> but I feel like that was the invitation for you. Does that does that resonate with you? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I I had accepted this invitation. I thought I'd write kind of a recap of what I had said at the conference, and then as I started to write, it took on a life of its own. Um, it was during the time where I was resigning. My time was done on the, as the chair of the council. It came at a time where I was leaving uh, some work at St. Catherine's University that I really love, um, where I was um, co-directing a Lily Grant and had a million dollar Lily Grant for five years and had seven spiritual directors going into six congregations to teach them contemplative practices for two years. 
and I was uh, heading the spiritual direction certificate program there. And it, for many reasons, one, it was just too much. Um, so I was leaving that piece too. So there's, even though I'm still teaching classes as an adjunct, there was just a lot of grief about that and a lot of reflection on my training as a spiritual director um, and my continued ministry as a spiritual director, now soul companion is what I'm using and how that's evolved in and of itself. And so it just, this article became this kind of putting it all together, coming together and really giving some thought to it, to what it means to me over these past years of, of being in this incredible vocation for me. Um, so it just kind of came together that way. And uh, I'm a person that's really comfortable and not having a game plan and watching it unfold and pretty feel pretty free in that. And so I just thought I, I'd see where it went and this is what happened. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you, yeah. And you, you even say in your article, like you're very comfortable working without a roadmap, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, I think, you know, something Reverend Safu talks a lot about, you know, kind of living into this space of not knowing and, mm -hmm. and mystery and embracing it, that. Yeah. I, it's one of the things I'm always saying to students is if there's anything you can do is to get comfortable with that space, because it's true. It is really standing in a in a place of truth. We do not know, um, and if we're journeying with somebody, accompanying someone, you know, I can't be arrogant enough to think I have this figured out because I don't even for myself. And so, it's really important for me to be able to stand in that truth. Yes, well, and it's interesting to me because you write about the evolution of your your work and your understandings of being a spiritual director and a soul companion. I want to get into that, but, but my sense too, is that your spiritual source has not wavered. No, yeah. no, yeah. no, that started as a little girl, um, mm -hmm. you know, being, uh, I was born in 58. So I was born during the time of, of segregation and I'm an army brat. And so I've lived my life, you know, part of nine months on an army base, which was integrated. And then three months down South visiting grandparents in Alabama, which was totally segregated. And so living in that space of um, contradiction and, I, you know, I'd be on the base in, during the nine months and we'd go to church and there's a picture of the white Jesus and the white God and there's a song, Jesus Loves the Little Children and, you know, all the colors. And I'd look at these pictures and go, well, where are the colors of the other kids? And that just never made any sense to me. Yet I knew I was included in that. And then I go down south to the, the black church and there's Jesus with brown skin. And I'm still thinking, well, where are the, all the other pictures of the, the other colors? And so I was just always, to me, that just made sense. And so I've just always known that and felt that. And that's never 
wavered and I understand that that's not, you know, most people's story. Um, but that's just always been true for me. So when I go down south and then have to use the colored drinking fountain or the bathroom or couldn't try on clothes, I was pretty clear that this wasn't about God, that this was about people. And I've always known that. So um, that has been really helpful me as, as I navigate through the world in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you call it in your article, or you call it, you call, you know, the God of your childhood is mm -hmm. this, this unwavering loving presence. Mm -hmm. And and my sense in reading your article is that, that that unwavering loving presence has always existed for you. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I am very comfortable in that. And um, I think the thing, the only thing that's shifted is my means of getting in connection with that presence. And recognizing when something is in the way that's not allowing me to experience that and being comfortable that that also gives me some freedom to be in relationship with my sacred in many different ways and and understand that that's going to change over my lifetime and be comfortable with that also yeah so your spiritual direction training sounded quite intense and, and long yeah. as somebody who did a two-year formation training program yours was let me, let me get this right six years plus nine months of ignatian discernment so it was nine months of ignatian discernment first so, okay this and then two years of classroom and then three years of supervision okay and then i did my demon in spiritual direction so so I actually have two certificates in spiritual direction and then a demon in spiritual direction. So mm -hmm. I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that's enough. If I don't, if I don't have it figured out now or at least close to understanding it. Then. Well, it, it's certainly, you have gone through the rigors of, of training as a spiritual director, you know, within, within the, the tradition and, and also, you know, vocationally. Mm -hmm. And yet your definition of spiritual director has shifted to mm -hmm. soul companion. Mm -hmm. and, and in your article, you call it Cynthia's way. Mm -hmm. And how might you distinguish that um, where you are now as a soul companion, you know, from, say, your initial training in spiritual direction? Yeah. So here's the deal, you know. All of that training in spiritual direction, and as I teach now, um, I am so clear about still how much I have to learn and how much my students are teaching me. So I shifted to the whole concept of soul companion because I, I was teaching in a seminary, a Methodist seminary, and I had my master's. I did not have my doctorate yet. They asked me to teach a uh, a doctorate course and the name of my course was the spirituality of struggle and the first week long uh into two week long intensive and all clergy in the class practicing clergy and the first class we were talking about you know how are you doing how is it with your soul how's your your prayer life and this brave soul stood up and said started talking about you know, I'm in this pulpit every Sunday and I don't have a prayer life. 
and I don't feel like I have a relationship with God and I feel like a fraud. Mm -hmm. So I basically scrapped the syllabus and we started talking about how is it with your soul and in terms of that deepest essence of connection of who you are with the sacred, however you define that to be. And I'm very comfortable with people having their own understanding of what that is, even if that means not from a religious aspect. I'm very, very comfortable with that. Um, and so that is what's most important to me that we I, I think we come into this life and we're just heaped with stuff and we spend the rest of our life uncovering what's not necessary, what doesn't work for us, what isn't healthy, what causes us harm. To, to narrow it down to the deepest essence of who we are and then how are we in relationship with each other in the world from that space. And I think that's life, ongoing life work. Um, and that's what I spend the essence of my time in is relationship with people going to that level, to that space. And it's where I'm the most free and the most comfortable um, and I love it. So that that term of soul companion, I think over the last year and a half has been one that resonates with me the most. Cynthia Bailey Mann's Demon is an experienced soul companion, supervisor, workshop and retreat leader, movement chaplain, spiritual direction training program leader, Lily Grant program leader, and author. Her passion for soul care and sacred activism is foundational to her current service as the adult learning director at St. Joan of Arc Catholic Community in Minneapolis, adjunct faculty in the theology department at St. Catherine University in St. Paul, and accompanying lay and ordained spiritual leaders. She's the U.S. Catholic representative and author for the 2023 World Council of Churches Week of Prayer for Christian Unity and served as the past chair of SDI's Coordinating Council. You know, you, you talk about, you know, kind of stripping the work and the relationships down to their essence and, and getting to the core of things and what really matters. Mm -hmm. and, and in your article, this really came to a head over the pandemic for you when mm -hmm. you were shifting everything online and having to help, you know, help people with their fear, their anxiety, their grief. And then George Floyd happened mm -hmm. and, yeah. and you were, you worked through what your word was overwhelmed. You were overwhelmed. And yet you had to, you know, you were being of service to people and, you know, how did, how did your own spiritual practices help you through that time? Yeah. Because I think that's the hardest thing for, for spiritual companions is to hold space for people's grief and fear and anxiety while also tending to their own. Yeah, this, this was a really challenging time because I got COVID in March of 2020, right when it was beginning. So it was COVID and it was George Floyd and it was my parents shutting down. And so um, you know, one of the things I always talk to students about is, you know, when you're in that crazy space, that when it comes to what 
practices sustain you, we have a tendency that's one of the first things we let go. And that's when we really need to double down on it. And it took me a while to, um, to really live into that because there was so much need. There was so much work that was asking of me to be done in places that I felt needed and felt that was my expertise. Um, yet sitting with my director, who's just an amazing woman, um, would always ask me, well, how is it with your soul? And so she was really good uh, about holding me accountable to my own words in a way that was loving and not judgmental and just a sacred presence to, to make sure that I was doing that with myself. And so that's what I held on to is my, my director, my practices. Um, I have a group of friends who are in the space of accompanying others and we made a commitment to each other to hold each other accountable. Um, and that is one of my growing edges is how to make sure that I am taking care of myself and being as gracious with myself as I am with others. And so that's a lifelong learning and process for me. I'll always be doing that just because of who I am and my, my experiences. So, um, that's how I do it. And that's still a struggle for me. And I know that. And so I have to be very intentional about that because it's easy for me to say yes, uh, if there's a need. And I have a good friend who always says just because there's a need doesn't mean you have to fill it. And so her words are in my ear. And, and then I have a firm belief that, you know, God whispers to me that, you know, if you continue to step into spaces or stay in the spaces when it's time for you to gracefully leave, then you are doing a disservice to someone else who's willing and ready to step up and you're not creating space. And I really want that to be a possibility for others. That's how we learn and that's how we grow. So yeah, that's important to me too. I mean, that's, that's amazing because it's, we had a conversation a few years ago and there were two lessons from that that I, that I still carry with me and I hear you sharing. And, you know, the first is that every spiritual director should have a spiritual director yes. of their own and the importance of that. And the other one is the allowing for space. And, mm -hmm. you know, what you were, what you were sharing with me at the time was in the context of working with someone one-on-one -on -one and giving, you know, a three to four weeks in between sessions at a minimum yeah. just to allow for spirits to do its work yeah and for, and for people to do their work so to create space for people and i think that's where it comes where for me um uh faith not so much in a theological perspective but faith in a way that it's not my ego standing in the way that people can do their own work without me hovering um, and, and without me setting an agenda for them, which is what I should not be doing anyway. And so that three to four weeks is really time for them to tap into what's, what's their truth and what's important to them and what are their growing edges and what are they, the work that they need to do and allowing the sacred to be present in that without me. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not saying a prayer for them or thinking about them, but 
that is not my work to do. That is their journey. That is that is not my work to do. And so I need to accompany, but not do, you know, not enable them to not be able to do their own work. And that's the way I've always been accompanied by a spiritual director. So I really try to use that as a model. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good model for all of life, really. Mm -hmm. Wow for us to do our own work. That is the essence. That's one of the essences of spiritual direction. Companionship. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we, I think, as people who accompany others, really have to learn how in a gentle, um, loving way to ask the questions and create the space for people to be vulnerable and share what are some of the fears that can get in the way of them doing their own work. And, and how to gently encourage and to listen in a way that is open and evocative and provocative to create a space for them to step into the sacredness and, and the holiness of who they are and to feel free and empowered to use their voice, um, to find their voice. Yeah, yes. So tell us about your dream. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was a dream, but you woke yeah, up in the middle of the night. Yeah. It was something happened and you put it to paper. Tell, can you share about that experience? Yeah, and see, I'm not a dream person. I don't try to analyze dreams. I don't have a piece of paper on my nightstand. So if I wake up, I write, I, I just, I never have been. I'm not trying to interpret dreams, but I was thinking about this article and, and this was on my mind when I went to bed. And when I woke up about three o'clock, it was clear. So I went into my office, got three pieces of paper and wrote down what I said to you. It was very clear in terms of the roots, the trunk and the branches. And I just started writing and that's what came up. Yeah. I've never had that happen before. So it was a little scary at first because that was probably about an hour and a half worth of work, but it didn't seem like that long. And it just seemed to make sense to me. It just crystallized what I was thinking at that time, what I was feeling, how I, um, what was important to me in terms of being grounded and rooted and doing this work. And I'm always talking about that in the parish. How are we? We do a lot of social justice work, and I'm always concerned about are we spiritually grounded and nourished and rooted to be able to go out and do this work so we don't burn out and, and feel lost. And so it just synthesized and came together. And that's what I said to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was amazing, an amazing invitation to receive, which you know, you you handed it off and said, please turn this into an artwork of some kind. Oh, it's beautiful. And you did. So it's it's in the issue and you know people can see it. Maybe they're looking at it on the webpage right now or they'll see it in the printed version. And yeah, I, I got your drawings and I was like, oh boy, because you know, as an artist, you're trained to, you know, focus hard on taking whatever vision you have and putting it into materials, it is an entirely different thing to take someone else's vision and try to do honor to it and 
you know, with authenticity, you know, translate mm-hmm. and turn it into something that, uh, you know, that hopefully is is understandable and yeah. Uh, accessible. And yeah, it, it was. Well, and here's the deal, Matt, is that I know quite a few graphic designers. I have some in my family. Yet you were the person that I felt would do justice to this because of the conversations we've had over the years and because of who I know you to be. And so I was comfortable that I could pass this off to you and we could play with it and go back with it. And it would be in a way that was um, productive and nourishing and a learning process. So I was comfortable and really excited to work with you on this. It was it was a real joy and a very good challenge. It's one of my favorite things about working here is is these these uh, these creative challenges pop up. And when I received it from you, I was on vacation and I pulled it up on my phone and sat down in the chair and went, oh, my gosh, (laughs) it's just incredible. I'm very grateful. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, it is an honor to have been able to create this with you and so the illustration is there and we also created a a blank tree a worksheet of sorts and we're we're inviting people to explore for themselves how they how they understand their their identity their self as a spiritual companion yeah yeah because i as i was thinking about that because of the students i'm i'm teaching like i'm teaching an intro to spiritual direction now and and that that, you know, I say to them, keep a journal from the beginning of this course to the end of this course, to the beginning of the next course, to the end of that course and foundations. And because you're gonna continue to involve on what you call yourself and how you look at this ministry, this profession, um, and that this would be a way to help go through that transition and those changes and to be able to look back and see the evolution of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Can can we pivot to council stuff? Sure. So you were six years on the council and Mm -hmm. and three years as chair. Right. Okay. And so you basically have have come off that time in a long time of service to SDI. Um, How how was that time as as uh, both being on the council and then as council chair. Can you reflect a little bit on that experience? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had been going to conferences for a long time before I joined the chair. And uh, being a part of the council is, you know, being a part of a sense of responsibility for the organization that I didn't feel as a member. and, and it also requires you to be much more in tune of what is shifting in this field. And so I know I, when I was doing my training, we didn't talk about trauma, we didn't talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. I mean, and I'm, I believe I had really good training, yet, but, that's not what was on the minds of so much the people who were talking to us and we were accompanying at that time. And so to watch this profession be so in tune with what is going on in the world right now over the past couple of years, especially the past three years, is really important. So I think that was the big thing for me is to 
recognize the responsibility of starting to shift this organization in ways that really helped provide the tools and the skills uh, and to invite people to step into that space, which is for me is much more uh, intense. Um, you know, my, my own private practices with clergy of all denominations. And so these past three years have been um, scary and challenging and um, joy filled and doing a lot of blowing up what we've known to be to be stepping into that place of the unknown and figuring it out together. And so that's how I think of my time on the council is that's what we will really have been doing for the last six years and particularly the last three years as chair. You know, stepping into those spaces where we have not been so prominent before and figuring out how to create not only the space for us as a council, because we had our own work to do to get comfortable with doing that. And then being able to translate that out into the larger membership of, you know, these are some of the trends we are seeing, um, not only within the organization, but within this whole field of spiritual direction, spiritual companionship, and um, feeling the weight and the responsibility of that, and yet feeling the hope and um, the excitement in that also. Yeah, have you, do you feel like you have witnessed a shift at SDI in the six years? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. I know the first couple of, of uh, conferences I went to just as a member, there were hardly any men. And so we look at our last conference, even online and in person, the number of men. I think when I first started, there were very few people of color. And now that is not, you know, the case. We, we, we have expanded that. And then just the whole concept of the multi-faith the multi-spiritual traditions, all of that, which is really important to me to be a part of that. Um, one of the things I love about soul companionship is, is, you know, my understanding of the sacred becomes much larger when I'm sitting with people who's who has a different experience of that. And it just makes the sacred bigger for me. And I think that's what's happening at, at SDI is the whole genre of, of spiritual direction and companionship is being expanded because of the additional experiences we are bringing in from people who are being accompanied and who are accompanying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so these, these fruits are being born now in the organization. Yeah. We have a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's important. I'm glad you said that because I think that's another part of our work in accompanying um, people and also in processes that we are, you know, we are just starting this process at SDI and we are planting seeds all along the way. And we have to get comfortable that that's what we're doing. We're trying to understand this for ourselves as members. Um, we're trying to understand ourselves in that way as a profession. And what does that mean to our training programs? Uh, so there's a lot of just work we are doing and it takes time 
Uh, and, you know, that's the slow work that we do in accompaniment. And it's also the slow work that has to be done in this also. And just getting everyone comfortable with that and being gentle with each other as we do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really uh, a lovely invitation or at least a way to, I don't know, it's a posture of, of, I mean, I, for myself, I just, I hear the, the invitation to be patient with the process, mm -hmm. you know, even in my five years of, of working for SDI now, like, you know, even when I first started, we were, we were talking about SDI being more inclusive, being right. anti-racist, you know, incorporating, right. you know, a, a broad diversity of voices and we're still having mm -hmm. those, those same conversations. That's right. And, and it mirrors where we are in society. I mean, so we are not, um, you know, there are times when I, I, I could sense that we need to be further and we do, we always do, um, yet we need to do it right. And that requires making sure that we're doing the work. Yeah. And, and also recognizing that it could be just like in accompaniment, two steps forward, one step back. So, and we have to understand that process um, for ourselves and for ourselves as we work in community and for the organization. Yeah. And, you know, we're taking some concrete steps this year. I, I think mm -hmm. I can talk about this, but we, we're bringing in some DEIJ, and I should say DEIJ stands for Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Justice. Justice. Mm -hmm. DEIJ experts or consultants, I suppose, to come in and to work with us, the SDI staff and the SDI, what's now the board of directors is what they call right. themselves. And, you know, this will be a, uh, a big effort for us this year. And mm -hmm. I wonder, is, as a community, you know, as, a, as an SDI member, uh, what, what do you, what can people expect or how can the community sort of participate or, you know, mm -hmm. participate in this work um, or, or what should they be aware of? You know, I would say one of the first things to do is to pay attention in terms of how diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice are showing up in your own life in your own family, in your relationships with others, in your faith tradition, spiritual tradition, in your community, in, your, um, in those spaces, notice how you're participating in it or not. Notice what challenges you're having, which spaces are more easier for you to navigate. So I think a lot of it is taking the responsibility of looking at yourself in a gentle way, I always want to say that because that allows us then to continue to do this work. If we start getting judgmental and blaming ourselves and come from that negative posture, then it's much more difficult to do. Um, and, and I say that would be one way to start and that, you know, S SDI will be, be able to also help in that in providing some programming to help us do that in a group process. So, you know, whether it's the allies group or whether it's the BIPOC group or whether it's looking at anti-racism work. Um, so to start to take advantage of those opportunities that, that are provided, 
Um, yet really give yourself the gift of looking at where you are in this space and, you know, work with your director, your companion on that, which challenges you or just to have the conversations about it. I think that's a good place to start because if we don't spend that time internally, um, it really won't matter what is out there because we won't be willing or prepared to go and do that work. And it's so much easier to do in community. Yes. And I'm I am hopeful and trusting that this is a good community to do this. Work. Oh, gosh, yes. Yes. Uh, we, you know, we have the deep listening. We have the evocative question process. We have, you know, the presence. We have all of the skills that we need to tap into to be able to do this work. And so it's no different than saying to anybody else, you know, call on those things as we're having these conversations and being in that space and to, to know that we do this work already. This is just a different area that we're doing it in. So to, to see it as an invitation to use what we already have and do in this process. Yeah, oh, that's a beautiful invitation. And I, I'm also going to trust that our community will receive it and accept it and lean into it and, and find a greater reality, a, mm -hmm. a, you know, a, a liberated reality. Yes. Uh, I, I remember Reverend Angel talking about this at a conference several years ago, you know, it's the sense of freedom that, that comes from freedom. doing this work. Yeah, and to step into that invitation, because that's what it is. It's, it's an invitation to go deeper individually, you know, within ourselves and as communities. And so to, to step into that invitation, yeah. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, those are my questions and I'm so grateful for this. Is there anything, is there anything else that you would like to share that you haven't had the opportunity to yet? Just that I, you know, I love this work. Um, I love this ministry. I, 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 I came to it kicking and screaming because I wasn't sure I'd be able to do it without burning out. Um, and it, it is just exactly where I'm supposed to be. And uh, I love the fact that it holds me accountable to doing my own work because if I'm going to be accompanying others, then I've got to be doing that. So I do no harm. And, and so for me, it's just a place of freedom and grace and um, tapping into the essence of who I am and being able to be in a space with other people in that sacred space and, and a place of hope. I mean, it's just, you know, to have my experience and understanding of the worldview it's always expanding with the encounters I have with others in creation. It's just a place that um, it's just needed and I'm very grateful for. Yeah, well, we are and I am just deeply grateful for your service and work, you know, in, in spiritual direction and, and soul companionship as you as you name it, and and for your service to SDI for six Thank long you. years, I I hope that you find some rest, having off the council. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I always say that no is a complete sentence and I'm getting pretty good about it. So good. Good. Well, I was also delighted because, you know, having the opportunity to write a reflection, you know, it could have been something of a farewell note and that it definitely was not that. And so I no. I expect that we will continue to have your voice and, and see you around in the community. And I will I'm, I'm glad for that and looking forward to that. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.